1: Wednesdays at
0: 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at
1: brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
0: Hello, my name is Kaylin and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3CR.org.au. Our guest today is Ellie Morrison, who has kindly offered to come on the show and help us understand more about traumatic brain injury and the mental health outcomes. Ellie is a provisional psychologist in the final years of her postgraduate studies, having recently completed her first year of Masters of Professional Psychology. She has worked in community mental health for several years, as well as being a volunteer at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute at RCH, and is passionately and is passionate about working with people and supporting them to increase their mental health outcomes and overall wellbeing. And just so that you all know, I know Ellie personally, and Ellie is also a self-confessed crazy animal lady and knows firsthand how crucial having a pet can be to one's own welfare. And before we get started today, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land which I am coming to you from today. I would also like to recognise their continuing connection to land, water, and community. As, long, as well as that, I would also like to pay respect to the Wurundjeri uh, elders, past, present, and emerging. I would also extend this respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait people from other communities who may be listening to us today. Welcome to Brainwaves, Ellie! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that
1: was a wonderful introduction. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: Well, I guess before we get started today, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and you know what led you to the field of psychology?
1: Yeah, no, no worries. Well, as you mentioned, um, I am a bit of a, a mad pet lady. I have seven presently and I'm trying my darndest to not increase that. But I think that's a really important part of for, at least for me, for my well-being, And I think for a lot of the people I work with for, for their well-being as well. It's always been, I guess, something that's, I mean, I've always loved animals and I've always really been interested in, I guess, our connection with those around us, whether it be an animal or whether it be, you know, fellow um, human beings and, and the relationships we share. So I've been interested in psychology for, oh, I think as long as I can remember, my mum was very much into it. I guess she had a, quite a psychoanalytic leaning, which is, Definitely influenced me. Um, <laughs> and there's also, um, I guess, personal lived experience, which I think has uh, informed me as well a little bit too. So, yeah, I think I've just always been interested in people um, and what makes them tick. Um, and we've all got our own stories and experiences. Uh, and I think sometimes they can be a bit of a puzzle, both to ourselves and to others.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, oh gosh, yes. Um, and I've always been just really curious about that. And I think it's a privilege to to work with someone who's willing to to share a bit about that um, with, with, with someone, with, with myself, for example, um, and to be able to work in that space together. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I think I'm also intrigued um, by how, I guess, despite our understanding and our knowledge, we often work with and treat the mind and the body separately. Um, and I think that's probably influenced n- n- my, my learning and my, even my thesis research, which sort of explored mental health outcomes in individuals who had chronic pain. Um, and now, obviously, with the research I'm doing with Um, at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute, which is such a a mouthy thing. So I might just call it MCRI from now on.
0: All right, sounds good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Um, And just looking at different outcomes. So the cognitive, physiological and social emotional outcomes in individuals who've sustained a brain injury.
0: Can you tell us um, or please explain to our listeners what exactly is an acquired brain injury?
1: So it's, it's a disability, um, a brain injury, obviously, sometimes it's referred to as an acquired brain injury or ABI, um, and it refers to any damage to the brain that occurs after birth. Um, so damage that can occur as a result of an accident or trauma, um, stroke, a, a brain infection, um, things like uh, substance abuse or alcohol, for example, um, or even neurological diseases um, like Parkinson's disease. And it's yeah, associated, ABI is associated with a threefold increase in, in functional disability um, in the population. Okay. So it's quite, quite a, an important area, I think, to explore and, and yeah, learn as much as we can about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what is the difference between an acquired brain injury and a traumatic brain injury?
1: really good question Um, and it's something that I will say we I won't say we giggle about but we definitely tear our hair out about sometimes when we're writing up the research and things because yeah I suppose so there are two types of acquired brain injury You've got your traumatic and non-traumatic. So a traumatic brain injury or TBI. You'll notice there are a lot of acronyms. Um, <laughs> is defined as an alteration in, in brain function um, or other evidence of brain pathology uh, caused by an external force. Yeah, they can be sorry defined as as closed or non-penetrating or open. Um, or penetrating, um, for example, your falls, sports injuries, motor vehicle accident, um, and a non-traumatic brain injury is caused by damage to the brain through internal factors. So, for example, anoxia or lack of oxygen, um, exposure to toxi- toxins, um, or a pressure from a tumour, for example.
0: Wow, that's interesting. There's a lot involved in there. What is the most common cause of brain injury?
1: So, I guess for a majority of moderate to severe um, brain injuries, they can result from motor vehicle crashes. Um, or falls and dives Um, for the traumatic brain injury specifically the data is similar with falls and motor vehicle related injuries being the most common that includes both um, I guess passenger like being in the vehicle and also pedestrian related um, vehicle accidents as well Um, and then you've got things like Uh, bicycle accidents assault um, and sport injuries Um, and sport injuries or sport related injuries um, usually the account for the higher proportion of mild traumatic brain injuries Mm. I probably should explain there um, when I say like mild or moderate or severe um, as some of your listeners might be aware uh, brain injury assessment is evaluated by I guess severity clinical severity uh, with injury levels ranging from mild uh, through to moderate through to severe or very severe um, and two sort of indicators uh, that are often used to to understand this severity or or classify it um, include establishing uh, the individual's state of consciousness post the injury um, and also the length of time that they would have experienced uh, like post-traumatic amnesia so that's sort of how they classify whether it's mild or moderate or severe. Um, in terms of, yeah, the damage, I guess, of the injury.
0: Okay, so like <laughs> something like a concussion then would be mild, but then something like, would cause yeah. like, you know, physical disability might be high. Yeah, some implications
1: yeah. associated, yeah, yeah definitely. That All right, will change. cool. Yeah. All
0: right, so how many people sustain an acquired brain injury?
1: Um, so it's quite common. Um, based on, I guess, the analysis of uh, the Australian Bureau of Statistics data in 2003 of their survey of disability, ageing and carers, um, I think it was around 1 in 45 Australians, wow. approximately 432,000 people had experienced or had an experience of an ABI um, with activity limitations or participation restrictions due to the disability. And approximately three quarters of these um, people were aged under 65 years. Wow. Um, yeah. It's a lot higher
0: says, than I would have thought.
1: It is, yeah. So I think that's that's over, I guess, a period of time um, looking at, yeah, just that they may not have incurred that injury in that year but yeah just the the impact of the disability yeah it can be quite high Um, and I suppose as a snapshot of traumatic brain injury specifically the data in 2004-2005 there were approximately I think it was 21,800 admissions to Australian hospitals uh, which uh, yeah diagnosis associated with TBI was recorded um, as either the principal or an additional diagnosis Um, and interestingly enough uh, 3,700 of those were children aged between zero to 14 years and approximately 6,000 of those were were young people. Um, so young, yeah, adolescent to young adult.
0: Yeah, right. Wow. So that's a lot. So it's a lot happening to kids as well. That's, that's for yeah. one. Yeah. 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 Do brain injuries go undiagnosed, do you think? Uh, if so, how many? And um, could this impact on what we know about brain injury?
1: That's a really good question. And I don't think it's one that we sort of, we consider it but I don't yeah there's a lot not known there so approximately yeah about 75 to 80 percent of individuals who experience a brain injury um, are classified as having a mild injury And you're right, these numbers are actually considered to likely be an underestimate, uh, primarily because individuals who sustained these mild injuries are often treated outside the hospital setting, or not even treated at all, because they're considered so, so minor. um, And therefore, they're not gonna be included in a lot of estimates, because the majority of the data collected on these numbers comes from clinical sites, for example, you know, hospital admissions. Um, So yeah, and answer your question, it can definitely, I think, be having an effect on our understanding and knowledge of brain injury um, and its implications. And it is a big consideration in the research um, currently actually being undertaken as well. It is something that's always highlighted um, and something we want to find out more about as much as we can.
0: Mm, Just even talking to you and reflecting on um, my son had a a bike accident like three years or four years ago and he suffered concussion and that that would be classically determined as a mild, you know, yeah. So it's like, and that was not recorded. It was just sort of like, you know, so I imagine that sort of thing would happen quite a lot. So, yeah. What are some of the impacts that a brain injury can have on an individual?
1: That's a really good question. Um, so it's got a, a, a whole sort of uh, variety, I guess, of symptoms um, and it can impair people cognitively, um, emotionally, socially and, and physically. Um, so, it, yeah, it really can affect the way a person think, feels and behaves um, and In the literature this this sort of supply can really vary in nature and also in severity and what can happen is the impact of the brain injury while there is the initial often physiological um, impact uh, or symptoms it can also have like longer term um, effects as well and uh, yeah really it can be uh, impactful on one's quality of life and also their day-to-day functioning Um, so it really does depend uh, on I guess the the severity of the brain injury itself, and uh, I guess there is an association of mild brain injury with um, the uh, post con- what's termed post concussion syndrome, um, and this this PCS is a term used often to describe a collection of symptoms um, that I've just spoken about, um, and they can last for. Several weeks or months after a concussion. Um, yeah, in most patients uh, with, I guess, moderate to severe brain injury, these cognitive difficulties um, can be very prominent impairments. Um, and then also, yeah, those other functional difficulties can then occur as well. Um, and these can be more common, obviously, in, in patients with very severe brain injury as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's um just thinking about, I guess, the previous question we were talking about about, you know, um. People being undiagnosed, I can see how that can happen too, with, with mild cases as well. If they've got those cognitive issues, they might not necessarily know that they're experiencing no, them too. So that's, that's a whole exactly other right. yeah, it's a whole other factor there as well. It so, is yes. Yeah, so for people that acquire a brain injury, does it always result in long-term effects, or can people recover over time? And generally, what is the rate of recovery?
1: Yeah, so I guess as we've been um, talking about, um, acquired brain injuries can result in impairments in the cognitive, physical. And Emotional functioning and research has shown that these impacts can cause um, both acute and also long-term difficulties in areas including intellectual ability, uh, behavior, um, attention, uh, things like memory, uh, planning and organizing um, and also social functioning. Um, there is considerable variation I think as I said before um, in the literature as to the patterns of, of I guess both symptom presentation and also recovery. Um, And the mechanisms of this are not, I guess, uh, very well understood. So, again, why we're doing this research is to sort of hone in on that. Um, So people with very mild or mild brain injuries, um, they're usually expected to recover quite quickly. Um, However, some will have, I guess, psychological consequences of the injury that um, can require assessment and and further management. Um, And most people experiencing these, these types of more minor or mild brain injuries do recover within days to months. Um, however, there is a small percentage and, and the data does vary from 1% through to actually up to 20% of individuals that can continue to experience symptoms um, even three months post injury. Wow. So, yeah. And then recovery in, I guess, from more moderate to severe uh, cases, um, they can follow, a, I guess, a neg- negatively sort of accelerating curve. So um, I guess the, the responses and outcomes tending to be more rapid in the first three to six months. Um, however, this also can continue um, with, I guess, experience of symptoms and impacts um, from more moderate to severe brain injuries um, being experienced for yeah up to several years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, manoeuvrability um, and, and in the outcomes.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So we've talked about brain injuries in adults, um, but what about adolescents? How frequently are children developing brain injuries?
1: Oh, yes. This is coming to, I guess, the area that (laughs) we're focusing on um, with the research. Um, So in in accordance with, I guess, current findings and and recent um, data from the, like, I guess we're trying to focus a lot on the Australian data because it is, um, there is less of it out there. As a lot of the numbers are focused on studies from hospitals in America. So we're really trying to hone in on the Australian data and and information from an Australian context. So, with the recent um, data from the ABS, as many as two thirds of the brain injuries being sustained are in individuals under 25 years of age. Wow. Yeah, and an approximate, I think, 7,000 children and adolescents um, uh, diagnosed with an ABI um, each year. Obviously, that number varies, but it is an approximation.
0: Are the impacts of brain injuries different between adults and adolescents and does that rate of recovery between adults and children, does that differ?
1: That's a, a really good question um, and it's, it's very pivotal I think again in the, in the work we're looking at um, with the research at MCRI um, and if you, if you consider that um, an acquired brain injury, the incidence of it is most prevalent in children and adolescents or, and young adults, Um, you can imagine that the impact of this injury often disrupts important developmental processes, Mm. such as, yeah, attaining independence from parental support, completing study, um, establishing a vocation or returning to work, um, and even just um, forming relationships and social networks. Um, I guess this this can result in things like, you know, loss of self-esteem, social withdrawal. Uh, And it can pose a, a considerable burden both on the individuals and also families as well. So this is something that I think we're seeing more the research is showing. Um, and it does, I guess, in that sense, it's more, maybe more impactful than with adults who might sustain um, an acquired brain injury. Um, so for the majority of children and, and y- y- young people, um, these post-injury symptoms uh, that I've talked about do resolve within that sort of four week or, you know, month and a bit period. Um, and then they can sort of safely return to pre-injury activities, however, it's shown that between 5 to 10% appear to remain symptomatic for a longer period, and these persistent symptoms can cause low tolerance for academic um, and sport or leisure activities, um, as well as disruptions to things like education, um, fitness, and of course mental health. So for some, these difficulties can lead to the development of depression, anxiety, um, and things like post-traumatic stress as well. And as I said, the family impact of child concussion um, or traumatic brain injury um, is also can also be quite significant because um, if you think medical costs, of course, yeah, um, yeah lost work, uh, lost school days, um, and just yeah, the parent and child related stress. Um, yeah, so I guess de- despite though the the debilitating impact, um, there's still kind of. a... Uh, I guess where our understanding is still developing as to why some individuals go on to develop these more persistent symptoms um, and so this is a crucial area of the research I guess we're involved in it at Murdoch Children's Research Institute um, to investigate why or which children are at risk for this and, and why this might be um, and also I guess using this information um, and, and you know testing interventions to develop appropriate Um, strategies and treatment methods as well to to hopefully better support these individuals
0: yeah just hearing you talk I mean I'm just going through my head was a million different things that it could impact like you know development especially you know hormonal changes and all these different things and also I think because kids go through so many developmental changes sometimes it'd be really hard to pick up too as yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah exactly
1: you know acting out and 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 trying to seek their own you know space in the world for example as they're developing yeah actually maybe neurologically or biologically there's something going on that that needs assistance yes
0: so this is definitely something that needs more research absolutely um you mentioned psychological consequences earlier do you know if brain injuries can cause mental illness so,
1: yeah, I, I know I keep saying it, but it's, again, a really good question. Um, <laughs> I suppose while brain injury itself is not a mental illness, um, you know, in, an, in and of itself, it it, resu- it can result in symptoms of, mm. you know, the effects of brain injury being complex and, and individuals being affected, as we've discussed, quite differently. Um, so I guess, you know, um, I, I've... It, Research has sort of stated that uh, acquired brain injury is sometimes referred to, and this is something that I think you've picked up on throughout our conversation, um, as being this sort of hidden disability. Mm. Um, Because, you know, individuals can appear relatively, and I use quotation marks here, normal, Mm. um, but may also be experiencing cognitive, sensory, and emotional disabilities, and and often in combination. Um, And research shows that uh, the most frequently reported ongoing problems, um, several years post-injury, include poor memory, irritability, loss of temper, um, headaches, and difficulty concentrating. Um, But also this can lead into those emotional and social difficulties. Um, So as I said, the aggression, um, mood swings, disinhibition even. um, And this can be particularly challenging for individuals and their families. And things like close relationships can become affected um, by these changes in personality um, and behaviour caused by Mm. the brain injury. Um, So, yeah, as you can imagine, during, you know, childhood and adolescence, these symptoms can be even more impactful um, with adolescence, you know, being a crucial period for developing and maintaining social and emotional habits, um, important to their mental health and well-being, Um, you know, things like adapting healthy sleep patterns, um, developing like problem solving, coping and interpersonal skills managing emotions, my gosh, I think about when I was a teenager, mm. I still have trouble managing emotions sometimes. And back then with, you know, your hormones raging, like it's, it's right. a world. And then to add in, you know, a brain injury um, and those impacts, um, it can be, yeah, really, uh, well, it, at times can be quite devastating. Mm. Um, so, yeah, these symptoms associated with brain injury can significantly impact a young person's ability to develop, let alone maintain, you know, healthy practices and habits um as well as their capacity to return to activities and their schooling day-to-day life and we look around us in the world we're currently living in and the way our inability to be able to do our normal day-to-day life activities mm. how that's impacting us you know at the moment um you can see how rates of depression, anxiety, although even just, you know, reports of those symptoms, um, you know, increase in, in individuals who've sustained these or can um, be reported in some of these individuals who've sustained these injuries.
0: And then I guess also from from another point of view too, you could think about how perhaps you know um, supporting or treating these symptoms specifically from coming from a mental health perspective whilst you know not really considering the physical aspects that's that's a whole other thing too that could be problematic so a lot of yeah a lot of this needs to really be looked at so that we can be sure that you know people are getting the support that they need um, based on what the issue is too
1: no yeah totally and having that more holistic approach mm. it's it is having the the psych in the room with the neurologist or with the doctor. And, and the OT and you do I, I I do speak with parents and and they some of them you know have a lot of those supports around them and it's it's I think um, a lot of hospitals are getting better in, in trying to make it more inclusive and, and oh, have that's good more of a, a well-rounded I guess perspective to, to the way in which we we support people and, and, and treat them and, and understand what what it is that's actually going on for them yeah um, but it, I think yeah I think there's still a, a bit of a way to go um, but it's, I think it's getting there. So yeah, like, and this is exciting
0: because, I mean, it's pushing it into the right direction. So that's fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. it's a good
1: team, you know. I think if you've got good people, good staff, good, good supportive, um, informed individuals, and I think that's where the research is crucial mm. as well because it does inform um, clinical teams uh, and everyone who can be involved in a, in a person's yeah. you know, recovery, for example.
0: Yeah. So um, I guess now we've moved to the almost to the end of our um, show today but before we wrap up there's a few things I'd like to talk to you about with regards to the research that you're doing so can you tell our audience a bit more about the work you are involved in with at At Murdoch Children's Research Institute at the Royal Children's Hospital.
1: Yeah, yeah, you did really well there. That's such a mouthful. (laughs) Whenever I have to say it, I'm just like, oh no, here we go. So, great job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess yeah. So as we've touched on, um, children can experience brain injury in different ways to adults, Um, and often the treatments or interventions that are needed for children they can be different as well. Um, So I guess this observation goes, you know, for many childhood illnesses and disease, so for example, diabetes allergies, asthma, um, premature births, uh, as well as conditions including cancer and genetic disorders. Um, And these are all areas that um, are explored and and researched at um, MCRI. Uh, So MCRI, just as a bit of background, is the largest child health research institute in Australia Um, and the research done there is broadly, I guess, done across three levels or three areas, I should say, Um, so obviously in the lab um, to investigate why diseases um, occur. Um, The clinical research working, you know, alongside doctors and nurses um, to influence diagnosis and and treatment Um, and also the, I guess, broader community studies, so to understand how disease impacts children um, in the wider community. Um, so, in terms of the work, I guess I've been a part of, um, it probably falls primarily across the the last two categories, um, and I, it's got a focus on, brain, as you can tell, brain injury experiences and outcomes in children and adolescents, both clinic, clinically with with patients who are in the hospital or who have attended the hospital in, in the past, um, as well as those within the, the community as well. Um, so, I was just going to, I guess, touch briefly on two of our current yeah. Context. Please do. Yeah, let us know. I'll zoom through. Um, so <laughs> the one that I've been, I guess, a part of for a while now is uh, looks at mental health outcomes in um, adolescent brain injury, um, specifically looking at um, milder forms of brain in- of traumatic brain injury. Um, and yeah, what uh, some of those, the outcomes are there um, for their like social emotional functioning and things like that. So yeah, this study investigates, as I've just said, mental health outcomes in, in adolescents with a mild traumatic brain injury. Um, and this is to inform our understanding of the recovery process and what that looks like. Kind of like what I said before, what what are their differentiating factors? Can we find out more information about the individual, um, their family dynamics, things like that, to try and better understand what, differences might um, be affecting recovery outcomes, Um, and hopefully this will inform, I guess, the development of appropriate interventions as well. Uh, So we initially recruited individuals between the ages of 13 to 18 um, who previously attended the emergency department at the Royal Children's Hospital um, with a diagnosis of a mild, or they ended up having a diagnosis of a mild traumatic brain injury that was accidental. Um, Currently, uh, we're recruiting for control participants, so that is um young people of a similar age between the 13 to 18 year bracket um, who've not sustained a traumatic brain injury. Uh, so the aim of this study is to explore the relationships between the mental health outcomes, um, primarily symptoms of anxiety and depression, um, and factors such as family environment, social participation, and quality of life. Um, and yeah, how these also might differ between both the um, MTBI um, uh, participants and also the controls. And the way this is done is through a short survey survey um, it's all online uh, with one being completed by the adolescent or the young person and the other being completed by their parent um, and basically the measures utilized in this um, survey include self-report instruments of depression and anxiety um, as well as peer and social relations emotional behavior and, and things like quality of life um, as measured by the child and also from the perspective of the parent So that's still running so if um, anyone want to yeah <laughs> (laughs) um between the ages of 13 and 18 if you've not had a traumatic brain injury um i'll also at the end i'll provide the information about how to find these details too um but i've also been asked to talk about another study yeah absolutely um i'll be quick it's called the we've just named it like the AMATC. basically it stands for the amps it's based on um a program called the amsterdam memory and attention test for children uh so this um research is led by uh, Pro- Associate Professor Cathy um at MCRI um, and it's conducting an online trial to investigate the impact um, of this training program um, which incorporates an English version of the amat Um, and its effectiveness in improving attention and memory following brain injury in childhood. Previous research by Associate Professor Katropa has found that although a face-to-face version of this program um, did reduce difficulties, um, it had been hard for families to attend the um, weekly clinic for training sessions. Um, So now they're looking at trialing this online clinician supported version of the training program. Yeah, so the research team is looking for children and adolescents between the ages of 8 to 16 years who've experienced an ABI and participation in this research will involve taking part in certain attention and memory-related activities by the child. Um, Yeah, so that's also a really cool study that's that's happening at the moment. Um, And we're also just wanting to compile a registry of control data as well. So basically just individuals... Obviously, young people, uh, ch- children, adolescents, um, between the ages, yeah, like I guess of doing like uh, four or five and like 18, um, yeah, all welcome. Uh, We're just wanting to sort of compile a registry so that, um, because it's hard to get um collect data obviously um so
0: it's basically for people sorry children who have had a brain injury or not had a brain injury regardless it's just collecting that data from everyone
1: yeah just control data um just so that yeah so that's wonderful so i guess for more information on these studies and and others that are being run at um, mcri please feel free to hop on the website um and check out the research section, which outlines current studies as well as latest news and research findings. Um, and you can also connect with MCRI via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They're they're more hooked in than I am, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> with social media often used as a platform to inform people of current mm. projects um, and how you might be able to get involved. Um, well,
0: that's that's awesome. Yeah, and just to let everyone know, um, I've I've done uh, the the one of them as well, and it was quite easy. <laughs> so it was like a couple of minutes, just go through and answer some questions and send it through. So, you know, it's good to know that you're possibly helping um, us learn more about the brain and brain injuries and, and the impacts on, on children. So that's, that's really important. Thank yeah, you, well, L- you
1: guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate. And I appreciate you you taking the time to speak with me today.
0: And oh um, no, yeah. that's all good. I mean, I, f- I find it interesting. Like, there's my like as I said from the start. Like, my brain's just been going whoa, 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 thinking about all these different things that I'd never even thought of with brain injury before. So, thank you for enlightening me today.
1: No, well, if you have more questions, send them through to me, and I can write something up or do awesome. two or something. Awesome.
0: Can- oh, that'd be great. Yes, and on. you know what I was thinking? We need to we need to have a show on um the positive impacts of animals with people with mental health. I
1: was, I was going to say I think that will be crucial. Yeah. My dog ran in before actually a while, while and I was like oh please don't bark, please don't bark, please don't
0: bark. So, yes. All oh, right, well, Let's put that people. in. Alright well thanks Ellie for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge and insight with our listeners. Just a reminder that I will be adding details to our show notes about um, all the information that Ellie's talked about today and the research programs and how you can participate in the studies so you can check them out as well. You can find more of our shows at our website brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website 3cr.org.au or on iTunes and if you have a story to share or if you would like to send us some feedback or suggestions for future shows please email us at brainwaves at Thanks for listening everyone stay safe and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR.
1: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne Australia.